Hello and welcome back to Manchester's Big Theatre Podcast. This is episode three. Season two. Thank you so much to everyone who's listened to last week's episode with Elizabeth Newman. We hope you really enjoyed it. Um, There's a bit of a fight going on at the moment about who's going to get our t-shirts. So uh, we might be selling some soon. Who knows? Keep your eyes watching this space. So before we crack on with the episode, we've got a quick word from Nick Redman, who we interviewed in series one. If you haven't listened to her episode, do, because she's hilarious. So uh, we'll be back in a sec. Rubber baby buggy Shh, it's recording. Hi, we are Northern Voice Collective. A team of experienced professionals dedicated to establishing quality voice and performance training right here in the Northwest. London Who? Short and long term training in vocal technique, accent, and text. Does your voice need some work for an upcoming audition? Yes. Perhaps you've got a work presentation or a best man speech to prepare for? Oh, uh, yeah. Have you been cast in a play as a Bolton native with a hint of a bloody Kiwi accent? Good eye, mate! Oh, dear. Sorry. <laughs> Laura, Nick and Jude are here to provide one-to-one sessions, drop-in classes and workshops to cover all of this and more. We're launching throughout September with Pay What You Can Taster sessions at 53.2 and Hope Studios in Manchester, as well as the Liverpool Everyman. Visit northernvoicecollective.com and follow the Eventbrite link to secure your place. Join us as we give the Northern Powerhouse its voice. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Thanks for, listening. for listening. Thanks for listening. Nailed it, lads. Thank you very much to Northern Voice Collective for that quick message. I have actually just booked my place on one of these, and you should too, because I think it's going to be a great, great, um, great day. So thank you to everyone who's still listening to all of our previous episodes. So I've had loads of great download numbers for Spring Forward Fallback, our first ADP audio collaboration that we've had um, and you can still always listen to that at any point on our brand new website so on to today's episode this week is our first playwright on the our first full interview with a playwright on the podcast it's joshua val martin who is a playwright based in manchester he got shortlisted in the 2017 brunwood prize the big prize that the royal exchange runs which is the biggest playwriting prize in europe and he was in the top 10 uh, so this is an interview with him about finding out what he's doing now uh, and a little bit more about his work and how he approaches it Joshua, uh, tell us who you are, what you do. Uh, I'm a playwright. I write plays for theatre. Uh, and how how have you how have you en- ended up as a playwright? What's been your journey? Um, how far back do you want to go? You can start at the start, Josh. Right <laughs> from conception. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe not conception. We can. Okay, it's it's not explicit, explicit yeah. podcast. Uh, where did I start? Um, well, I suppose as a teenager, I went to see a lot of plays at the Methodist churches in Bolton. There's a lot of them, a lot of Agatha Christie and Samuel French comedies um, that I quite enjoyed. And I acted in youth theatre things as well. So I suppose that's where I first got interested in theatre or uh, plays. And then I don't really know. To, I don't really know. Go on. Did you tra- did you train as as an actor? Did you go to university? Did you no, I didn't. So when I was yes, when I was a teenager, I want I did want because I saw like these Methodist churches, you know, putting these plays on, and I wanted to be kind of a part of their group and be in the inner circle of 
Methodist players. Um, but have, of course, have, have you achieved that? No, I didn't, unfortunately. <laughs> they'd have me doing the props and they'd have me making tea, but they wouldn't let me do anything more exciting than that. Um, so then with a few friends, we start to make um, short films um, at school. I mean, they're really shit. Um, they're re- and they're, they're are, they, still are they available? Somewhere online. <laughs> yeah, don't go looking for them. They're really like funny, but hilariously bad. Um, but then we, we start doing quite well. We start making like, promotional films for councils and businesses including one at the Optigum. I did like um I sort of ran a festival for young people at the the Optigum where we made film well, I kind of helped very, very young people like make films. But then that was kind of my first way into play stuff theatre stuff, I suppose. And then What year what year was this? This what is was when I was so sixteen, seventeen, yeah. so ten years ago. Okay. Ten years ago. And then I went to University of Manchester to do a degree I shouldn't really have done. Uh, I wasn't that particularly interested. But of course, just like being at university, I was kind of part of all this, like the debate society, the Chinese cinema society, you know, drama society, whatever yeah, else. The big society guy. I loved my societies <laughs> because I hated my degree. What was your degree? Music. Music, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, just, and then I just started to write and direct plays as well. And then at the end of those three years, uh, I wrote um, a play that went to the, the Fringe, Edinburgh Fringe, for two weeks. What was that play called? Strange Ways. Like the Prison. Like the Prison, okay. Yeah. Um, and then since then, have you been based in Manchester? Yeah, always. Well, I was in Stoke on Trent for a while, so a little, a little while afterwards. I kind of kept making plays and writing plays, generally Manchester, kind of around basically, you know, theatres above pubs. Um, and some of those toured, um, most of them didn't. Um, but yeah, then I did the three-month RTYDS scheme at the New Vic um, with Theresa Haskins that was um, just incredible in terms of what I learned, particularly from her. And was that as, as a director? Was that that was as a director, like yeah. Director. Yeah, I mean, I, do, I mean, to be honest, it wasn't kind of very... Um, especially that kind of happy time in my life. But I do think anyway, like regardless, I think doing that maybe taught me that I didn't really want to direct because a lot of directing isn't directing, I suppose. You know, a lot of it is doing arts council applications or just trying to get people to be at a certain rehearsal room at a certain time. They've got some unruly actors. Well, not no, not unruly. I mean, I just mean that like there's a lot of assisting as well and watching other people direct, whereas the great thing about writing is I don't have to wait for anyone. I can just sit down and start, start writing, which is why I thought I actually yeah. prefer doing this because I can actually just get on and do this. That's really interesting, isn't it? Because actually, it's some a lot of directors for like maybe ten years. A lot of what they do is assisting, watching yeah, people. Yeah. Sometimes not doing loads, yeah. maybe. Well, and I was just a really bad assistant. You know, some people listen and they 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 learn and and they enjoy being in a room with actors. Whereas I find sort of trying to concentrate someone. I shouldn't say this, but <laughs> I find trying to concentrate on someone else's rehearsal room just really tedious <laughs> and exhausting. I remember I saw a speech by Alan Lane, and he said he was an absolute terrible assistant to the to the extent that the yeah. director at Westwood Playhouse sent him out of the building as much as possible, just to get him out. Of <laughs> yeah. yeah, doesn't surprise me. <laughs> uh, and so then, after you finished that three years, the three months sorry, yeah. scheme, you had the sense that you didn't want to be a director. And then what happened? Yeah, so I, I mean, I wrote a few other bits and pieces, like little plays. Um, you know, they did, did okay in various places. Uh, but then th- there was one play... So I went back to Bolton to, to live with my granddad, who was ill at the time. And there was one play that I was trying to write for... I mean, I must have been trying to write this play for about two and a half years. Um, and usually I'm quite a quick 
uh, write it, but I just couldn't for some reason kind of break through and write it. Um, but then I had the deadline of Bruntwood, which is what to about a year and a half ago now. So that is the Bruntwood the Prize, Bruntwood prize for playwriting, yeah. Can you, and that's had a quite a big impact on you, hasn't it? Can you explain yeah, a little bit about what it what, what it, it is? is? Yeah, so it's the UK's, if not Europe's, uh, biggest new writing writing um, competitions, based in Manchester. Uh, generally, gets about two thousand entries. Um, but then a lot of people from that get a lot of obviously support um, if they can kind of make top hundred, top fifty, or whatever okay. uh, from the Royal Exchange. Obviously, yeah. um, enter if you haven't. <laughs> And so, and then the, you said the deadline for that is each June. It's every two years, every yeah. Two so I think years. it's June next year is the next deadline. So that yeah. was, and that prompted you to finish the play. Is that right? Uh, yeah, sort of. Well, I'd sort of finished it about two months before, and I mean, I wasn't really very happy with it, but also I wasn't that bothered. I just thought, well, I don't know. I just didn't have really much kind of energy for the the, the play that much. I'd sort of lost hope that I was ever going to you know, make it any good but then I was sort of like formatting it about well it was four days before the deadline um, in my room I lived in Longsight at the time and my window was wide open you know suddenly you just get these flash floods that come out of nowhere yeah. so that happened whilst I was well, I'd gone through a quick week came back um, and it was like the hand of God like it wasn't just the water wasn't just coming through the window it's the water was coming specifically through a part of the window and like a river went onto my laptop yeah <laughs> right, okay so that play no longer existed because obviously I was an idiot and didn't back it up okay um, but then that was actually quite so a good your, thing because our laptop like, just died completely yeah yeah just, just completely died yeah so I had three four days to just basically rewrite it from scratch but that was kind of the best thing that could have happened to the play okay. because it meant then it had a certain urgency and energy um, so yeah rent wrote act one day one act two day two redrafted it day three formatted day four and then submitted it okay. uh, and obviously it was shortlisted then commended and this was in 2017 is that last right? year yeah. So, yeah, yeah the last year of the program yeah, yeah. Um, and what was the what's, what, what was the the rank it got can you explain a little bit yeah so the, the shortlist is the top ten um, there's an overall winner then there's three judges prizes and then there's two this, this year they did commended plays so there's two that's commended. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, and and what, this is one or two. Options. Yeah, and then this is the play. This this is not America. Is mm-hmm. that right? Yeah. Um, and then what has happened since then? So that was quite a sounds like a big deal. Uh, relatively big deal. It sounds like a big deal. Yeah, I did well. We obviously it's developed. We did a reading at the Bush, uh, which Matthew Zia directed. Um, I'm working on a redraft at the moment, and that'll get sent back out. But generally, I'm kind of plodding along, doing my usual stuff. I'm doing like a documentary play at the Royal and Gate, which is on next month, or doing bits of kind of inclusion work as well since. So. And that is, is is that work come from having been a commended commended playwright? Uh, I don't think so because I was doing very similar stuff yeah. beforehand. But obviously, things like that they do they're nice, like little shiny badges to have. Yeah. You know, but obviously it's then. I don't know if things really change. Too much. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, so that was last year, and then and then are you working on? So you're working at? Do you say you're doing a play for young people at the Royal? Oh no! So the one the one in Northampton um, is that's directed by Andy Routledge. She was one of the Burbeckers at the Royal Exchange a few years ago, yeah. and that's 
this doesn't sound very exciting, but I promise you it is exciting. <laughs> it's a documentary play about how Northampton changed after World War Two as part of the New Towns scheme, okay. which is what Milton Keynes is part of. I know how that sounds, but it's actually. Does this play exist already? It doesn't know. Yeah. We're right seen, at the moment. I saw on your you've got representations, is that right? Yeah, by United Agents. So I saw on the yeah. page as I was researching for this interview. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, that you've got, or have you already got a play that is this what's the title of it this is not this. oh I'm afraid of Americans no there's no, something this about Milton, Ke- that Milton Keynes oh in a town to Emerald of Milton Keynes yeah so we're doing that next hopefully that, that's, that's the same play funding the pendant no that's a different play oh so you've got quite that an that should be on the 503 next year and the Roland Dern gate as well okay fingers crossed so, but Milton Keynes is quite an artistic hotspot no, no, for you. I've never been right. <laughs> it used to be a trolley dolly on village of trains we were, I've stopped off at the, the, okay. the train station but I've never actually Okay, yeah. but you've got two plays about Milton Keynes, well, based around Milton Keynes. Yeah, you could say that. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, and in terms of um, the, this may, might be a difficult question to answer, I don't know, but in terms of the style of work that you create or the pieces that you want to create, mm-hmm. do you have a, a style or something that you think, or you'd like people oh, to look know. back? What look do you back. Think? Well, I've only read one of your plays. Okay. Uh, um, well, the thing I look by, I really enjoyed it actually, being really honest. But uh, um, the stage directions I loved because it was like they seemed almost like challenges. It's like, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Like wine glass magically refills. Or um, what was one that was read? There was a few that I like. Uh, um, memory explodes out of cardboard box. I don't know yeah, if it's that into- thing, some, Yeah, some of I do. I do like a challenge. I kind of. I just, I just. So to go back to Teresa, who um, the artist director of the new Vic, and just one of my favourite directors, um, she always said that when she's when she's looking for a new play to put on, she tries to think of the play that she thinks would be impossible to stage, and then afterwards works out how to make the impossible possible on stage. So there's an element of that. I I, I like kind of being a bit cheeky to the director and seeing what what what's okay. possible. But I think to go back to my style, I think. I mean, I do... I mean, they are kind of all political in one way or another. But I think that the main thing I always come back to is that it, it has to be um, fun. It has to be fun. Okay. So I always want to make sure there's jokes and there's action and it's fun to watch. I think that's always got to be the priority and then the other things come afterwards. So do you, as you're writing, do you mm-hmm. think... Do you try and... Um, do you think about how it's going to be staged? Or do you no. just... You don't at all? No. Uh, you just leave you leave that to yeah that. I do I generally because growing up in Manchester obviously generally I've only really seen theatre in the round right whether it's New, um, New Vic Royal Exchange or Octagon so I generally will write in the round but other than that quite interesting that because there's not that many places in the country I imagine well you only realise that afterwards yeah that actually most theatres aren't in the round which I love actually the experience of seeing theatre around um, and what about when you're working with a, so when you given the play to director you talked about working with Ter- Teresa mm-hmm. um, and you mentioned another director you're going to be working with who was from Birkbeck oh Andy Rousledge yeah yes. and yeah yeah um, but in terms of when you pass the play over to the director what's that exp- what's that experience been like in the past um, their reactions to it yeah or they're working with them to put it on do you, are you a writer that kind of stays out of that process completely? Yeah, I mean, I've been very lucky anyway, I think, with the directors that work on my plays. Though I think almost directors are really nice 
I think generally they're generally pe- yeah. people people and they don't like to offend me um, so generally very polite and kind of ask questions and try and you know open things up that isn't necessarily actually the, the way that I best work I think I'm the kind of person that needs to be told like you know, Josh you're rubbish this isn't good enough you're not giving it me on time or that sort of thing that's kind okay. of the best motivation for me um, and you quite a, d- a disciplined no right no no okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, well and um and are you somebody that like um, there's different the well a little that I know about I suppose there's different playwrights that like some playwrights think that their kind of word is like absolute so I think I'm thinking like David Hare who won't like people to paraphrase their line, his lines at all mm-hmm. um, but there's others that I remember seeing an interview with Chris Thor where he said actually like it's amazing the amount of times like actors will try things to get a line to work and then he'll be like no no the lines I'll change the line yeah yeah where would you put yourself on that I think it just it completely depends on what it what we're doing so for example I did this I wrote this musical for Central School third years last year was it last year no it was this year and just because a lot of the rhythms are quite kind of northern English rhythms and obviously the sort of people going to Central aren't some of them were but a lot of them aren't from north of England they would change them to suit their own rhythms. Okay. At which point, of course, I had to say, no, <laughs> listen to my beautiful punctuation on the page. Um, but yeah, no, generally I, I would do, I'm not, I'm not very precious. I, if the director wants to make changes and I'm not there, then yeah. Okay. I will hopefully trust that person. Do and do you, and do you, do you feel like the directors that you've worked with, are, uh, have been confident to make those changes. So occasionally I see in the directors really hesitating to make any changes or question anything that a writer's written, even if it's causing problems as they get it up on its feet. Oh no, I think yeah, definitely. But but also because I'm a you know, I'm relatively inexperienced, um, and young. And also if it's all new stuff then Well it's new. So yeah. So, so we just, don't it's not it's not finished. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that um yeah. what um you said so you just said that you're not a maybe the most disciplined of writers what do you have a uh, any what do you do when you're writing a play so you've got a a deadline maybe do you like lock yourself away do you are you up until 3am yeah well what I try and do is I I get up well each each morning I kind of I get up make breakfast go to the gym whatever else and then at about 10 o'clock I probably write my diary for half an hour then I'll do my exercises for about an hour. Then I'll try and write, but then about 45 minutes later, I'll probably go out and have a walk or whatever, maybe read a little bit, and then come back, and I'll try again. Maybe, but I'll tell you what, I think I probably, max, I've not got like an urgent deadline, I'll probably write for like three hours a day, but that's absolute maximum. Okay. But then when there's a deadline coming along, that means that, I'll, yeah, I'll just lock myself, I'll usually have like a two litre bottle of, um, you know, fizzy water, and then a Pepsi Max, a couple of bananas and I'll just be at my desk until it gets done and uh, do you like that when you're in, in that always? yeah I do yeah, yeah. There's, there's a certain, I kind of quite enjoy the feeling of being a dreadful person for not doing any of the work sooner feeling really really stressed and just yeah, hacking at the, the keyboard until, until it gets to the end and what um, but is there are you writing full time at the moment or do you have other jobs to, that you do I knew at some point in this interview I was going to mention this because uh, I always get laughed at because if I ever have a conversation with anyone ever at some point in the conversation I mention the fact that I run free Manchester walking tours. Okay. Um, but they've been an absolute like, life saver. I started up about 
uh, well, three years ago in September, started them up. Um, I don't, have you heard of these, like the free tours all around Europe? They're in most cities. You get shouted out by this, like some young person about the city for three hours, and at the end, they basically beg for money. I'd not really heard of it. I was aware of your ones, but yeah. I didn't know it was a European. They're all over Europe. They're generally really good. They're, they're quite good fun. Um, but I mean, just what this meant, this has meant that, because um, also like now all the people will generally do the tours for me. And I, I, I do them kind of less frequently than I used to. It just means that I get to sit around all day and, and write. I mean, I'm in a very, very lucky position, the amount of time that I can dedicate um, to, to writing. But I think, I, you know, unless you're, I, th- I think there are very few people lucky enough really to write full time. Like even, you know, kind of very um, you know actors that you know work quite frequently they'll generally have that thing on their side like whether they're you know they officiate weddings or whatever they'll have like some little yeah. I'm just trying to think of one <laughs> on top of my head that's actually real but you know like, I think you have to have these kind of side yeah. projects and what I'm very lucky in this that I kind of get to tell stories which is ultimately what, to, what you know what I want to do um, and do something that I don't ever you know dread doing so like the yeah. jobs in the you know like I've been a like a showco um, a holiday camp or like I said a trolley dolly on a train or um, a bartender at the new union you know just jobs that I just really really used to hate yeah yeah, yeah. Whereas it's, the, it's, so it's quite a strategic thing to have these tours or it was when you started yeah yeah up. but that's what I mean it's like it's trying to find something that it's not about kind of wanting to be you know full time as a writer obviously that would be great but it's just trying to find things that I enjoy that work around that and allow me to write as much as I need want to write it's interesting isn't it in the different like within theatre there's kind of the different roles directing writing acting obviously lighting design there's like numerous different roles Um, and they can merge I suppose as well but the whereas if an an actor it would be quite difficult for an actor to sustain running a tour free walking tours if they've got to go off to Southampton and do a three week panto run but I suppose it's it's just interesting I suppose if you're interested in being a writer that allows certain things to happen um, to an extent yeah I mean the, the people though that do my tours they are they are a lot of actors because it's kind of flexible yeah, and yeah. they can work around it uh, but no I know what you mean in terms of writing what's nice is that you can do it anywhere at yeah. any time and you know the reason why at the moment I wouldn't even consider moving to London is because I don't really need to be in London to write. You know, I can email, I can Skype people, and you know, I can just like tomorrow I'm going to go down for a day or two, and then yeah. I can just come back and. So it's been it's been flat. quite a deliberate decision to stay in Manchester. Um, I don't really know. I don't know. It's it's been deliberate not to move to London because it's like my sister well she's, she's not there at the moment but she lives there and she doesn't I mean she's shocked that I go out you know like more than once a week she finds it strange that I just you know that of an evening think oh I'll go to the pub for a pint or two because she just doesn't do she just doesn't have the money you know to, to do that so I like you know you can get a certain quality of life even on jobs such as you know tour guide and writer yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, which will be yeah which will be difficult to do in, in London or yeah. you'd have to work harder doing things that you yeah. don't you don't enjoy doing and as you've touched on like I think in your other um, podcasts as well like, it, it is quite an exciting place to be at the moment I mean the amount of constructions I mean I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing but the city's changing very very yeah. rapidly um, in kind of I think the people's sort of in the imagination of people like like a, a, across the country like I said lots of construction work going on or things like home and things like factory 
um, the, the kind of the, the direction of, of theatres like the Royal Exchange. So I think it's I quite like as well being a part of the, the change mm. of the city. Um, what um, do you have anything in terms of um, uh, as you're writing a play? Um, a process that you go on in terms of whether it's doing loads and loads of research or and then whittling it down or or do you just start writing and see where it goes or do you structure and storyboard loads of stuff do you have what uh, or do you not have a process does each play kind of take a different process um yeah i think it's, it is different every time i think the first thing i need is and I know it sounds really wanky but that kind of need to, to write so when you get an idea or an image or a spark that, that makes you want to sit down and write obviously you can't always do that but hopefully that's the thing that starts it um, and then I'll just try and write to the end and not really think too much about it but to be honest also I have these great lists I probably shouldn't I mean it doesn't sound very kind of organic or artistic but there's this great list on the Bruntwood um, site writerplay.co.uk uh, whereas Duncan McMillan kind of says what he thinks is the perfect scene checklist so I go over and I answer his, I try and answer his questions I've got a few other lists as well that oh, so I mean it's quite formulaic I suppose it's not very no I quite like know, that because I think people talk about can talk about things in quite airy-fairy ways can't they when they're being creative and actually maybe that's true but actually sometimes I'm quite interested in the actual concrete things that you do like going through a checklist what kind of things are on that checklist um, I have it if you've got it it's somewhere close to you yeah they're, they're really good I would recommend that people go on there and, and look at the list but it's things like is there a ticking time bomb you know what do people want um, what's stopping them from getting it is there a chance of jeopardy um, I can't find it but just the kind of qu- the questions that come up in sort of a lot of writing workshops okay, so it's, yeah, it's really yeah. methodical and sort of factory like but it just helps me to think about what I'm writing yeah, yeah, yeah. more like I said because that first draft is very open and sprawling so I have to kind of then try and bring it back to a bit more structure yeah I quite like that. I listened to Ted talk about how you're more creative if you walk around I quite like so, so so when I've been trying to like work on shows I've started like recording my and they, the, she, the woman said don't write stuff down straight away because it's not yet formed it's a bit you know you're yeah. you know, uh, but if you if you're talking or maybe talking to a recorder and walk around that's so I've started doing that I don't know if it's improved my artistic output no that's, I think yeah I think people are but in in an ideal world like in 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 10 years where, where where's Josh what do I want to be doing yeah preferably not doing walking tours I think it's just anymore <laughs> um, where can so actually well, that's shouting a, lies at tourists where where can you if if I want to go on if people if listeners are listening thinking how I want to go on a uh, a, a Josh's walking tour or yeah. one initiated yeah. by Josh because you don't do them that frequently anymore do you hopefully not uh, well how but how do they how do they how do they get eleven a.m. every day from the Alan Turing Memorial in Sackville Gardens okay but in terms of plays I just want to keep every day every single day eleven a.m. yeah I just I I think I just want to keep writing things that I. Uh, believe in um, hoping getting getting people to read them and hopefully put them on as well um, yeah I think I mean ultimately I mean this this is like kind of incredibly narcissist like the ultimate dream would like be for someone to study a play so study one of your plays I think so yeah because the idea that 
to, to write something worthy of be other people sitting around thinking about what it all means like I said it's very kind of arrogant narcissistic I suppose maybe you have to be a little bit that would yeah. be like the ultimate dream I think okay cool maybe that can happen maybe that could happen sooner than you think I mean within ten, I mean people usually die first don't they but I think I think Dennis yeah. Kelly's on, on the syllabus okay uh, yeah hopefully you won't be dead in ten years no no <laughs> but if, if it means they get studied then <laughs> <laughs> and then um, what um and, and this was a question I had. What, so, so if if I'm listening to this mm-hmm. and I want to um, read one of your plays, is that possible? Uh, I mean, you can email me, and I'll probably send a, a play out if okay. you want to read it. Um, and the plays, like I said, my plays on next. The Milton Keynes play should be on next year. If you want to go see it, okay, cool. Um, I th- but I think Where, where's actually? I think for some reason the Royal Exchange have one of my older plays just online. I don't think it should be online, but I mean, if anyone is that <laughs> listening to this right now and they're so desperate that they they really want to read about one of my plays, then I think yeah, just type my name to Google and for some reason what, you can okay. download this play from the Royal Exchange page. Okay. I don't really know why it's there, but and, it uh, is. or if not, they could email you. Yeah, of course, yeah. through you're on United Agents, aren't you? So they could contact you through that. I'm online, yeah, and online, yeah, Twitter, all uh, over. Uh, brilliant! Thanks so much for talking to us, Josh. No, thank you. It's been a pleasure. So that was great, Joe. I really enjoyed that interview with Joshua. It was really nice to hear someone who's really emerging and what he thinks and how that story about him losing his laptop, I was squirming as I was listening to it. It was so horrible, bless him. Um, but yeah, it was really interesting. What do you think? Yeah, and who knows, maybe maybe they'll be studying him in 10, 15 years' time and using our podcast as a resource. You never know. Thank you again so much for... <laughs> for listening to us again and hopefully my mum gave me a little bit of feedback when I saw her which was that I used the word journey too many times I think I used it quite a lot in the yeah you you definitely used it in this episode so join us next week where we've got a very exciting guest and that guest is going to be Sarah Frankham we have interviewed Sarah Frankham uh, who is artistic director of the Royal Exchange so please do listen next Friday when we will be releasing that episode and also just listen just to hear if Joe says journey or not you'd mainly did that episode though so I don't I I only interrupted two times so if I, I did use the word journey during those two times that's awful and if I use journey I'm very sorry <laughs> I think it's an important word yeah uh, um, so great so follow us on Twitter please retweet give us your thoughts email us um, if you want to volunteer with us do let us know um, that's the only way we know what you think of the show is just if you contact us otherwise you're just a little figure on the graph that appears <laughs> on my website um, and see you next week bye